you always say that safety is a low and narrow goal. And I just love, I love that phrase. I love um, just really refocusing. What is the goal? What is our goal in, mm-hmm. in bringing forth life through our wombs into this world? Um, and are we so preoccupied with survival and to the mm-hmm. point that really we've created an idol out of it? Holy Wild Birth is a podcast embracing the reclamation of giving birth rooted in God's original design undisturbed. Here, we share homebirth stories highlighting God's presence as the great midwife, as well as conversations about all aspects of a holistic, spirit-led childbearing year. From the perspectives of myself, traditional midwife Lauren Hall of Rooted and Eden Private Contract Association, and me, holistic doula and birthkeeper Brooke Collier of Sister Birth. To choose a holy wild birth journey is to consecrate all your decisions unto the Lord. And to reclaim creation unadulterated by centuries of human attempts to control and improve upon what God has already called good. Please remember, birth is not a medical event, but a natural process. We are not your care providers, and this should not be taken as medical advice. Hi, sisters. Thanks for coming back and tuning in again today. Today's conversation is about safety and risk. And Lauren and I are just going to be kind of deconstructing those concepts a little bit and exploring the implications for life and birth. We also have a really fascinating and kind of mind-blowing new look at the passage in 1 Timothy that says we'll be saved through childbearing. And we even talk about chickens. So there's a lot here. We hope you'll enjoy this episode. And I'm just going to pray over it before we start. Um, God, um, you are um, good. You are the safest place that we know. Um, We put ourselves in your hands. And as we explore this um, podcast episode about what it means to be safe um, and to avoid risk, We just ask that you would shed your light on that topic and remind us of um, how safe we are in you and that if there's any content here that might be a little bit triggering or reminding mamas who are listening of past trauma or scary things that have happened, I would just meet them there. Jesus, meet them in that space and bring your comfort and your perspective and your wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Good evening, my dear friend. Good evening. I always look forward to talking to you. (laughs) Same. This is such a fun project to be doing together. Um, Such a, I just feel like we get to have really cool conversations and other people just happen to listen in and then tell us that they loved our conversation. (laughs) It's kind of surreal. It's a pretty sweet gig. It's a pretty sweet gig. (laughs) Awesome. Well, last time we chatted, we were talking about how we shouldn't be reducing birth down to safe. And um, 
not reducing midwives to making birth safe. So um, that's a huge topic. Like that is, is birth about being safe and what are the facts and more so what is the belief system that's like causing this to be the king of the hill? Like why is, why do we keep coming back down to is this or is that a safe choice for us to make? So, um, mm-hmm. yeah. What do you, what, what comes yeah. up for you when we say, when I say that? <laughs> oh, well, a lot. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm just thinking right now about how, how we, I've heard this phrase, how we birth is how we live or how we live is how we birth. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just like this whole issue of like, do anything you want as long as it's safe. It right. shows up in so many areas of our life, not just in the birth arena, but I think it's especially potent here. And it makes sense because, I mean, we are obviously hardwired to care deeply about the well-being of our babies and that because they're precious to us and like the things that are precious to us, we want to protect and guard Um and so I, I just want to say, like, I, I understand the concern for safety, um, but it's just kind of like when we really pick it apart as like we're going to do today, I think it's just kind of um, it, it just falls a little flat because we've come to realize that <laughs> maybe there's not a such thing as a guaranteed safe birth. And um, nobody likes to face that, but it's true. And yeah, I was I was telling you recently about like this little, I'll open this anecdote about my chickens. (laughs) So we have 17 chickens and my eldest daughter, who's 11 is like a chicken mama. She loves the chickens. They are, she just loves it. They're precious to her, which is why we can't be real farmers and cull them when they get too old to lay eggs because she would lose her mind. Um, Anyway. (laughs) So every once in a while, our chickens free range. She, like she would cry. There'd be funerals. <laughs> um, every once in a while, because they free range, a predator will pick one off. Um, yeah. And that just kind of, it comes with the territory, like it's nature. Um, so for the first several times that happened, she was just distraught and like weeping and saying, well, we just need to keep them in their coop and their run all the time and never let them out so that they'll be safe because they don't have a fence around them and predators can't get to them. Um, and she really wanted to do that. But then we had to talk about how, yes, that might keep them alive and safe from a certain kind of death. Like they're not going to get picked off by a hawk or a fox. Although that's not even true, honestly, because the foxes find their way in. Um, but that doesn't guarantee them. That's not the kind of life they're made for. Chickens are made to forage and to free range and to roam. Um, And that's what gives them a happy life. And so if we were to lock them up in their coop all the time, um, we'd be protecting them, but we'd also be robbing them of their nature and their, (laughs) sounds too lofty for a chicken, their destiny. Their destiny. (laughs) Their chicken destiny. Their chicken Um, destiny to be our food. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. No, but seriously, um, what life like, would that you really be? Wanna, do you really want to take that away from them? Yeah. Right. Do, do you want to take away from them like a joyful, happy chicken life? 
just so that they don't maybe possibly get picked off by Hawk. Right. Um, because that's not also, how they like, were designed to live. Right. It's not. Um, I mean, I know a lot of people keep their chickens in coops all the time, but anyway, she, I mean, she was able they to do, say, oh, yeah, but... you're right. Like, I do want them to free range. Yeah. And so I, it just makes me think of, like, life, and, and it carries over to birth, too, that, like, um, I think we've been sold this this philosophy that the hospital is the safest place to go um, because there's these technologies that can help you and there's people with certain credentials surrounding you. Um, it's like the chicken run. It's, right. the, it's the coop in the run. Like if yeah. you put yourself in there, um, you're going to be safe. Like you're going to be spared um, death from certain sources or causes. From certain causes. Um, <sighs> and yet, yes. But and like, yet there's what else? also problems that come with being locked right. in the coop and run. Lots of chicken. problems like, for the Other chickens. diseases that they're more susceptible to. Right. Because of the lack of sanitation or the fresh lack of fresh air different problems come up. So De- nutrient deficiencies safer in one not sense, getting... but not in another. Yeah. So it actually makes mm-hmm. me think of um, a risky play with children as well. It's the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if, when you allow children, there's been lots of studies to show like when you allow children this like as safe as necessary, but not as safe as possible. Um, is a is a line from a research paper that I read not too long ago, like as safe as necessary, but not as safe as possible is this idea that we they need to be able to explore and be curious and find their body and and be able to have a measure of this quote risky play um, that actually teaches them their boundaries. And their own, you know, innate potential and where they can grow. And then they found that like kids have actually less accidents when they have that freedom and they have, um, you know, more, they have better balance and they're, you know, and just like they understand themselves deeper. And so it's, it reminds me of the same thought process of like, we've tried to control so many things and put people in bubbles and it's like, okay, we've protected you from this possibility. And we're just keeping an eye on like the negative Mm -hmm. instead of going, what have we now prevented? What have we lost? Like, what have we, what are we losing out on when we make safety king of the hill? Like, what is that actually costing us? Mm -hmm. And I'm not yes, sure that there is a cost. There's a huge cost. There's a huge cost. And for me, it's not, it's not a cost that I've wanted to pay. Like that's not, that is, um, you know, and I think that kind of even goes back into like, you know, risk assessment, right? Like why is risk assessment in our finances such a different thing than when we do quote risk assessment in our like, decisions around our health and wellness and medical you know thought processes like if you and i Mm -hmm. with two different budgets look at the same investment and it's high risk for you and low risk for me like an accountant can figure that out right they're like "Mm, this is you know like and and they're but like the accountant also 
can only go so far. And the, the person making the investment also has to go, well, do I want to make that choice, right? Like, do I want to, I see a, a risk benefit mm-hmm. analysis of opportunity. And one person might see it and go, I can afford to lose that if it doesn't pay off. And I, but the opportunity, I want that, right? Like I, I'm going to go and invest in this and somebody may not want to make that investment and that's fine. But the other person shouldn't be not allowed to make the investment just because the accountant decided that it, they had a higher risk benefit analysis, right? Like that's, and, and the accountant knows that too, right? But why does our, our care providers we choose not, why does the medical model not seeing the fact that risk is like not, it doesn't actually exist yet. (laughs) Like it's not, it's a thing that may occur, right? right? Like what's the actual definition of risk is a situation involving exposure to danger. So that means, and I want to, it was Gail Hart that I first saw her um, say like risk is something which has not happened. It, it in itself does not exist. <laughs> like, and I remember reading that as a student or maybe hearing it said and just like mind blown of like, yes, it doesn't exist. It's this situation involving exposure to danger. This is a probability. And yet we talk about it as if it does, like this is safe, this is not. This ri- You are high risk, you are low risk you should make this decision because of your history. And it completely removes just one personal choice and like what their soul is saying, like soul needs, what the Lord is saying to them, how their what their intuition is guiding them to. Um, and it just like, it doesn't exist. <laughs> it's, it's just, if we begin to say, you are... Let me find that definition again. You are are high risk, a high, you have a high probability of a situation involving exposure to danger. And so therefore you can't have a home birth. What? Like, don't we all have a high exposure to what? Like, this is silly. It's so silly to me because we all have a situation involving exposure to danger when we wake up. Like when we choose to get into a car, when we choose to get into an airplane, when we, you know, like Mm -hmm. this is why is someone else getting to decide whether there's a risk or a benefit that I am making about my body? Like I'm the one putting the risk out there. I get to be the one benefiting from said risk. So I'm the one making the assessment, right? Like not saying throw out all expert mm-hmm. advice around your personal um, situation, but like you're the one who gets to decide that. Not your midwife, your OB, your regulatory yes. body of your state <laughs> on whether or not you are high or yep. low risk. I feel like I could get a little Especially ranty. since those. <laughs> it's good ranting. But it's especially silly because those risk factors that are often being cited as reasons one should or should not do something are so one-dimensional. They're usually purely yeah. physical about right. our bodies. 
Um, and that's not unimportant. It is important, but we're also whole people that have spirits and emotions and relationships and are just our stories. And so when we're making a decision about what we can and cannot afford to risk, we also have to weigh in like emotional and spiritual factors and impact on our relationships and on our family. Mm. And, um, it's just, it's, it's not enough to just say, well, because you are, um, over 35, your advanced maternal age, I'm familiar with this one. You, (laughs) you have, um, a higher risk of preterm labor and a down syndrome child and, Therefore, you probably shouldn't even get pregnant. Or if you do, we're going to have to monitor you really hard. Um, But that's, again, only considering physical safety and physical conditions. Right. And not any of the other things about why a woman who's over 35 might choose to have a baby and why even if the baby does have Down syndrome, she would receive that with open arms. Right. Um, Because we are not flat people. We're not. We're not, you know, yeah. I had... um someone reach out to me kind of like a midwife to midwife discussion. And she had um, a mom who was possibly leaking fluid and she had um, she said she was 35 weeks. She was just like a little bit of leaking for the past three days, but it was, there was never a gush or anything, but she felt like she, the mom had reported that she was leaking And, um, they were discussing whether or not she should get a steroid shot for these babies' lungs to develop. And she, I was like, well, you know, let's, you know, she was in case it progressed into full-blown labor and you have a 35-week baby. Like she was like, just kind of wanting some thought around the safety of proceeding and whether, you know, steroid shots should should come in onto the scene. And I was like, well, what's, is she a nourished mom? How uh, sure are we of her dates? And she said, well, she actually, by her, by her date, she's 37 weeks, but by her 22 week ultrasound, she was 35. And I was like, by then why do we think she's 35? (laughs) You know, like it was like, okay, so is she actually early was the kind of the first question. And it was like, I wouldn't trust a 22 week dating for dating. And then I said, is she well nourished? Do she, you know, like, do you feel confident? Like, do you have any checks about this being an early baby? Is she have any checks about this being an early baby? You know, how are, how is everyone on the birth team feeling about this? And they were like, we all have a great piece. It was just this kind of thought she had in passing. So I thought, well, maybe I should look into it. And then we were like, well, the research actually doesn't support, you know, steroids after 34 weeks, but like, is she even, is she actually 35? Seems like she's actually probably 37 and you're at peace and she's at peace and you all feel like everything's okay to move forward. Like that's a totally different story than a non-well-nourished woman who is really for sure 35 weeks and you know like there's this whole different like aspect that we were not just looking at the numbers of this person but like their whole being like she felt good she was well-nourished she felt at peace with her body and what was happening and then you know spoiler alert 
she actually was just peeing on herself. So like it was a moot point <laughs> altogether. <laughs> but like there's this oh, like you took a conversation with some good questions raised. Right. And so it was like, you know, like but this and I was talking to her earlier this week and I was just like this is such a good point around the like the safety of making said decision like is this a safe decision is this not a safe decision to consider on but like if we just look at the facts you know that she had at the beginning okay 35 weeks and she's possibly leaking fluid this means it's an early baby but that's not at all what it meant right and so um it was just an interesting conversation to like pull in you know all of the parts of this woman and how she was feeling and how the midwife was feeling and how nourished this baby was and how did the baby feel under her hand, you know, you know, all of those things like, and it was a different scenario that when we, you know, you can't put that on, like you can't measure that with numbers. Like you can't measure those things with numbers is my point. Um, Yeah. How do you measure mom is at peace? Like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but right. that is a value that is of great great value right yep, but exactly matters. yeah yeah so yeah i don't know who it was who said that life or birth is just as safe as life and yeah all of us are always walking through our whole lives making risk assessments all the time about what we are and are not willing to risk um and how far we will go to stay safe Right. <laughs> and um, that, that just carries over into our births. Yeah, I was um, ranting to my midwife the other day a little bit about the 42 weeks thing. <laughs> it's one of my biggest pet peeves. Like so many licenses require midwives to hand their women off to OBs just because they're 42 weeks. I'm like right. 42 weeks alone is not a sufficient reason no. to drop a woman from care and call her high risk. If you have other concerns as well, from various sources, then we can have that conversation. But only because I'm 42 weeks gestation, it's not, it's not a reason. Yeah. Um, but they, again, it's because it's kind of like written into um, law, essentially at this point. Yeah. That it's not yeah. safe. It's actually unsafe. Yeah. To have a baby after 42 weeks. Um, and it's so, and it's just so narrow and so one-dimensional. Yeah. It's not considering any of those other parts. It just is so, that's exactly what it is. It's so one dimensional viewpoint. Um, it's very much the, like the technocratic model of your machine and this broke the mold. And so we can't do that. You know, like error, error. <laughs> it's like, no, I. Error, error. <laughs> <laughs> Oh goodness. So yeah, um you're we're not robots. We're not supposed to to fit into. But I always kind of, you know, to bring it back in, I feel like you always say that safety is a low and narrow goal. And I just love I love that phrase. I love um just really refocusing what is the goal? What is our goal in mm-hmm. in bringing forth life through our wombs into this world um and are we so preoccupied with survival and 
the mm-hmm. point that really we've created an idol out of it. Um, that we're missing such an invitation into transformation and generational legacy and like lessons the Lord wants to show us. And, you know, like just all of the richness of life abundant that he has for us mm-hmm. that because we're wanting to be in our chicken run, right? <laughs> right? Like, yeah, it's like, stop it, just stop it. <laughs> gonna open up the gate now yeah. come on <laughs> come on out and free range it's yes worth the risk. it is worth and it and furthermore we just it just has to be said as a side note and i don't want to go deep into this but like we've been kind of programmed into believing like that leaning into and trusting the rituals of like external procedures <laughs> and props like right medical interventions and the continuous fetal monitoring and the nearbyness of a NICU, like that, that it can give a sense of safety and security that isn't even actually real. Right. <laughs> like, I think we've been sold the idea that that high tech medical setting ensures safety, like a chicken, like a really well built chicken run. Right. <laughs> but statistically, it isn't even true. Yeah. Um, we have statistics to show that home birth with a trained midwife performs just as well, if not better on measures of maternal and infant morbidity and mortality and interventions and all the things. Right. Um, but it's like a belief system, right? At this point. Yes, and like, exactly. Feels good like, well, I've done all these things. I'm doing all these things so that I know I'll be okay. And it right. feels scary to step out and say, I'm removing all those props. I'm removing all those rituals that give me a sense of like, I have done everything I can to be safe. And right. I'm like, it's such a surrendering to this process that I can't control. Um, it feels scary. Mm-hmm. Such a, as you were talking, I was like, that's workspaced, right? Like that is mm-hmm. to, to view our, our, our faith overlay on this. Like mm-hmm. what saves us? What actually is safety in this world? Right? Like it's there. We have been promised trouble. <laughs> like That's yeah. what, that's what we've been promised, but we have, got all of these like if we do this and we do this and we do this then we'll be able to control the situation and make sure that we are quote-unquote safe that we survive and like you know like my heart goes out to because I I do know that innately we were designed to survive like we have a survival instinct and I feel like in this modern age that's really where that has been funneled because our instincts are so dampened now and they've been you know shut and put in a box and told to be quiet that but they're still there and so i feel like our instinct for survival is being funneled because it had to go somewhere i feel like it's being funneled into this Mm. ability to control the environment with our technology of this modern age And it's like, okay, if we use this and we use this and we use this, then we can survive. And it's like, that has become this God in our lives, right? Mm -hmm. And, and interestingly enough, it was a God in, you know, in the Greek time, there was the, the goddess Artemis, the goddess Sophia, that was um, in Greek mythology, that was who they worshiped to protect them in childbearing. And that's actually mm-hmm. what I was reading recently 
That's actually what 1 Timothy 2.15, nevertheless, she will be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, love, holiness, and self-control, with self-control. Like, they were talking to a group of um, people that were filled largely with women who had been worshiping this goddess in this hopes that they would be um, saved in childbearing, that they would have this protection from this goddess would save them literally from dying in childbirth. And that was what they believed. That was what they worshiped. And she um, kind of like commanded that they don't go into marriage, which then would not allow them to, you know, like like then they weren't getting pregnant. So they were swearing off men. They weren't supposed to have sex with men. They weren't supposed to marry. And so like, that was how she protected them, which is like, Mm -hmm. is that not the chicken run? Like, (laughs) Okay, we will protect you in childbearing with these modes of belief systems that men are evil and you should not be with them. And that will that you won't die. They're forcing you to die in childbearing. And so it's like taking their fear and then getting their worship and turning them against the design of the Lord. And, you know, in Timothy, he's actually uh, Paul, but in first Timothy is saying that nevertheless, she, he was talking about the one woman, she will be saved in childbearing if they, and that they is actually husband and wife. Like if they, the couple continue in faith, love, holiness with self-control, if they come in together with this marriage that is in the Christian faith, following after the Lord, like switch your eyes from this false goddess to Yahweh, who will, he is your salvation. He is the one. So we're not looking at this verse going, oh, so do we get saved through Jesus or through childbearing? Like, do I have to give birth in order to get to heaven? Like, that's not what we're talking about. It's, they were literally talking to a group of people who were trying to have protection from their childbearing by worshiping this goddess. And here Mm -hmm. Paul is saying, that is the wrong God to be looking at. She will be saved in childbearing because she's in Yahweh, in Jesus, yep. through the gospel. As they, If they as a couple are coming together in, in a Christian faith, love, holiness with self-control. Mm-hmm. Like at, when I realized that con- cultural context, it's just mind blowing of like, oh. So mind blowing. So mind blowing. It just really reminds me of you know, what we're seeing a lot in the birth world now um, and in this day and age of the this radical feminist, um, self-focused, you know, divine feminine goddess thing. Like, it's the same thing. It's, the, you know, like nothing new under the sun. Yeah. That is what we're talking about here. And it's whether you are saved through self or whether you are saved through the Holy Spirit living within you. like through him you are are saved right and so it's this mm-hmm. like we this nuance of that's easy to get sucked into it's it's like the the angel of light uh, or the what am i trying to say darkness masquerading as the angel of light yeah yep and it's like that verse then becomes kind of more just about a, an invitation to redirect your hope. Like, right. That's exactly what it is. It's exactly, where's your hope? Where's your hope? Is it in this goddess or is it in me? 
Right. And it should be in me. Like It should be in me. So, yeah. Yeah. And we have, I think there's these two ditches in my casual observation these days. And it's either the medical ditch of like this high tech medical world is going to be the thing that I rest my hope in and find my security in or myself as powerful divine woman and source that has all that I need within myself. Like right. the two very opposite ditches. Yeah. <laughs> but they're both ditches and the, mm-hmm. the road, the road that, that God invites us to walk on is the one that says actually both of those are false and it's in you that my hope is you will hold the keys to life and death. You give and you take away. Um, you hold me in your hands. You never yeah. leave me or forsake me. Um, and that's, that's where we need to be training our mind to go. I think when the right. fears come up yeah, um, is because I think it can be tempting to do a mad scramble to like, I'm feeling scared. So let me figure out a safety plan. Right. <laughs> um, and what if it's, I'm feeling scared, so let me fix my eyes on Jesus. Right, exactly. Like, where can we posture ourselves so that we're asking better questions of not, mm. is this safe, but, like, who holds me? <laughs> who holds me in this? You know, I talk a lot about the anointed birth definition of, like, it's not about an outcome. But a birth and a life truly dedicated and consecrated unto the Lord. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the highest goal isn't safety, nor is it an ecstatic home birth, even. Like the right. goal is that that nearness. Um and receiving from the Father in that space all the gifts that He stands poised and ready to give to you, right? Um, and that—that's the cost. That's what we lose if we make safety the sole, like goal. Goal, right? Like, because honestly, if I mean, like, He wants health and wellness for us. Like, He wants mm-hmm. those things. Like, He is our protector. He is the one that holds us. And so, you know, we're not promised life and death. We're not promised tomorrow. We're not even promised a baby at the end of pregnancy. I mean, that's hard truth, but like, that's the truth. And it's not whether it's home birth or hospital birth, you know, like you can be in an OR or in the field with the deers. Like it doesn't matter really which place, location, who you've, the the outcome still rests in Yahweh's hands. Like that, he mm-hmm. is still sovereign over all of, you know, he's sovereign over the field and the OR room. <laughs> and so yes. what it really comes down to, what it really boils down to, if we believe that birth is about transformative legacy, then what are we like the question should not be do i need a midwife to be make it safe or what do i where do i need to be to be safe like shouldn't even be about safety it's about lord what needs to be transformed in my life what does this baby need where are we going you know and and who is holding me while we go right those are the the deeper real of substance questions that we have to ask that's 
it's you know the deeper still of the 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 safe conversation just seems so it's just too surface for me (laughs) and like you know like your your ob can't promise you safety any more than i can so Mm -hmm. you know i think we talked about that already but (laughs) yeah yeah and it's it's okay to like grapple with it to grapple with the safety question because it's real like earlier like this is precious like these babies in our room are precious and to care yes. for their well-being is, is good and right. Um, it's just that we can't stay there. I think that's right. That. Like you have to look it in the face. You can't just like sweep it under the rug. The, the fears or concerns you may have about safety. Right. It's okay to pick it up and have a conversation with it and pray through that. I would say necessary. Um, yeah. Yeah. I would too. Um, but you're just doing, I think we do ourselves a disservice if we stay there and we mm-hmm. let that be like the final say on the decision we make um, or the route we take. Yeah. We do ourselves a disservice and we risk putting that concern out of order. (laughs) So we keep coming Mm -hmm. back to that phrase, rightly ordered, but it's like, it it can be on your list of like concerns, but have it be rightly ordered. And and it's right order is not to be on the top of the It's not the top. Right. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't really know where else we could go with that. I feel like this might be a shorter podcast than, than typical, but I feel like that really wraps it up. Like safety isn't the point. It's just not the point. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think this is a short and sweet one. (laughs) Awesome. Well, I love this conversation and, um, yeah, I just want to thank the listeners for tuning in, and um, I guess where I can pray us out. All right. Yahweh, sweet King Jesus, we just come before you thanking you um, that our hope and our destiny, our safety, it all rests in your hands. Mm-hmm. You are the one who is our great protector. You are a refuge. You are a strong hope, our strong tower, Mm -hmm. the one in whom we rest. And so I thank you that you are brooding over the pregnant women, that they are safe Mm -hmm. under your wing. And I just ask that you would help to direct their eyes to the transformation that you have for them, the lessons that you have for them, this child that you have within their womb and what it is that this child needs to come into the world. Lord, I ask that you help them to rightly order their thoughts, their fears, their focus. And I just thank you for this. I thank you that you are so ever present and you gently guide those with young. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. All right, I guess. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you'll be back and join us every week for each new episode. Please be sure to subscribe and share. Get the word out there. Mm